It's good to be here in God's house this morning. Thank you for everyone that has made the decision to uh, come here this morning and worship with us here at Bethany Baptist Church. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Mark chapter number 9. Mark chapter number 9, that's where the passage that we'll be in this morning is at. And as soon as you find it, put a little marker there and then go to Mark chapter 6. So go to Mark chapter 9 first and then just go ahead and put a marker there. And, uh, and then go back to Mark chapter number 6. We're going to continue our series that we started a few weeks ago, which is our new theme for this year on reaching. We ought to be Christians that are reaching in this new year of 2023, reaching uh, to know God more, and as we'll find this morning, reaching to have a greater prayer life. Mark chapter number 6, I want to start there before we jump into Mark chapter 9, because I just want to read what is, what is going on, a little bit of the context before we get into chapter 9 and, uh, and, and get into our study. I, I want to just uh, read uh, there in the beginning of number, verse number 7. We're just going to read from verse number 7 down to verse number 13 of Mark chapter 6, and Jesus is uh, here is just um, starting his ministry. He's uh, uh, already reached uh, some of those men uh, with the truth of the gospel, and, and now he's, he's been training them, and in Mark chapter 6 is the, the moment where he sends uh, these disciples out uh, to preach, and he, and he gives them authority. And, and I, know, I want you to notice what he says, Mark 6 verse 7, and he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two. And gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what places soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment uh, than for that city. They went out and preached that men should repent. In verse 13, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now go jump to Mark chapter 9. So Mark chapter 6, Jesus is sending his disciples out. He's given them a commission and he's given them authority, given them power. And you notice as they went out that they uh, healed people that were sick and they had uh, dominion and power over unclean spirits, that is demons. And, uh, and they had this supernatural spiritual power. Now look in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 14. This is uh, a little bit after those moments. This is time uh, days, perhaps, or weeks after. And notice where we pick up in verse number 14. And when he came to his disciples, that's Jesus, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. 
Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he answered, or, and he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe. Where the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And Jesus answered that the people, uh, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. The spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, as we jump into our study this morning, I pray that you would first of all fill me with your spirit. I pray that as we study, we would have our eyes opened and our hearts opened and filled by your spirit to see the truth that you want us to see. I pray that we would be good hearers of your word this morning. But leave us not only as hearers of your word, help us to be doers also. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, the Christian life can sometimes become routine. You know, you kind of you go to church, you read your Bible, you take time to pray, you might teach a class, you might serve in a ministry as a an usher, or you might serve in a nursery, you, you serve in some sort of ministry, and, and you, you do that, and then the next week you come back and you do it again. And the next week you do it again. And so day after day, week after week, year after year, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're serving, you're teaching, uh, you're, you're, you're living the Christian life. But there's a lot of danger that can come into our lives when we get into a life that is purely routine. There's a lot of danger that can happen if, if we are allow ourselves to get in a rut of just doing the same thing and not really putting purpose into it, not really putting thought into it. Neurologi neurologists tell us that we have what is called a prefrontal cortex right here behind our forehead. And uh, it's, it takes about one-third of our brain, and that's the part of the brain that helps us to focus, to kind of have some uh, uh, abstract uh, ideas and thoughts, and it's also the executive function of, you know, moving your hands and arms and, and kind of doing things. It, it all happens starting right up here uh, on the prefrontal cortex. And after a while, it uses another part of the brain called the, I think I'm pronouncing this right, the hippocami or hippocami. I don't know how to pronounce that. But that part of your brain begins to, to be like an intermediary, a, a, like a, 
a transfer portal, if you will, uh, to get all that you're, you're doing with your thoughts and ideas and, and, and all your functioning, that, that after you get your, your, your steps pretty down good, then that uh, hippocampus begins to send that information to another part of the brain near the back where the stem of the brain is at called the basal glandi. And there is where memory habits form. That's where they're stored. And suddenly in your life, you're just kind of living through that. Uh, everything you do, maybe it's uh, driving or maybe it's um, um, teaching or maybe it's uh, cleaning the house. Whatever you do, sometimes um, what you're doing is coming out of that area of our brain where the, where the habits have been formed. But the neurologists say that there's a lot of danger in that because what happens is we get into a, a function of life that we've uh, nowadays called autopilot. And if you know a little bit about flying, you know that uh, pilots uh, nowadays, they, there's the, the function on the plane there that, that you can push a button and, and it flies the plane for you. It's called autopilot. And, and it corrects the plane if it's, if it's uh, uh, the speed or if it's uh, not, not uh, balanced right. Then uh, autopilot will literally fly the plane for you. Well, the problem with autopilot, they say, is that pilots can get in the habit and the routine of just kind of letting that do everything, uh, that when they start to get into manual piloting and it's time to get the landing gear down and stuff, they can skip steps. There have actually been pilots that have crashed planes because they just skipped the procedure. It had become something that they weren't really thinking a whole lot about. And, and because of that, bad accidents have happened. The same can happen in your Christian life. Uh, we can get to a point where we have, we're just kind of living on autopilot. We're just kind of going through the motions of reading our Bible and praying and coming to church and serving and, and, uh, and teaching a class and, and doing what entails some of the Christian life that we can get into autopilot mode. And it can be very dangerous. When you get to Mark chapter 14, the disciples have already had time to be working in ministry. They've been given a commission to go and preach the gospel, and they've been doing that. They've been given authority to have power over clean spirits, and they have been doing that. And yet one day, there comes a man with his son and says, my son's got an unclean spirit. Can you help me? And the disciples cannot help him. Though they've been given a commission, though they've been given authority, they can't cast out the demon. Now, if you read back in chapter number 6, we didn't read verse 14 or on, but the rest of the chapter in chapter 7, you'll find that they were successful in their ministry. They were people that were healed. There were demons that were cast out by them. But in chapter 14, they're not. What happened? Why were they able to in chapter 6, but they were not able to in chapter 9? The answer we find in verse number 29. Jesus said, you can't do nothing against these without prayer. The key to all of this was prayer. 
The, the disciples had gotten so much into autopilot in their Christian life that they ceased to realize the power of prayer, the importance of prayer, the priority of prayer. They, they, they just got into a, a life of just routine. And this morning, what I want us to think about what I want to share is some truths about our prayer life. Why it's so important to be reaching in your prayer life. Growing in your prayer life. It's so important because, listen, with, with, without that, th th there's, there's so much in our Christian life that we miss. There's so many opportunities that we cannot take. Without prayer... In our life. So here's what I want us to notice first of all in this first truth as we study this passage. Number one, and this is somewhat of a general truth, but it's one that we need to understand this morning, and that is that true faith involves prayer. You see, every true follower of Jesus must learn to pray. In fact, the disciples one day came and asked Jesus, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? Every true follower of Jesus Christ must learn to pray. This is essential. Faith, and I'm talking about true faith, involves prayer. Now, when you, when you look and read about Jesus' earthly ministry, you find that everything he did was bathed in prayer. If you look in Mark chapter 6, go back if you are still there, Mark chapter 6 and verse number 46. Notice what it says about Jesus. And when he had sent them away, that's Jesus, he departed into a mountain to pray. Every time you'll find Jesus, when he was going to go into a city, when he was going to go and do ministry somewhere, when he was going to call those disciples to follow them, he always preceded all of that in prayer. Before he even went to the cross, he spent time in the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer. Prayer is so important. True faith involves prayer, and it's so important. Why? Because prayer unlocks the power of God. It is through prayer that we as Christians can do God's will. Matthew chapter 6, in fact, when you find the Lord's prayer, he taught the disciples to pray to God, thy will be done. God's will. May your will be done in my life. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It is prayer that unlocks the power of God in our life. Now, prayer is simply asking. If you, if you want a literal translation of the word prayer, it's asking. But it's not asking for what you want, and it's not asking about just your own desires and, and what you, your, your own ambitions to give to God. No, it's, it's more than that. It's actually asking for God's will and God's direction and God's power in your life. In fact, if you look in James chapter 4, I put it in your notes, James told uh, the Christians, he said, uh, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. It's saying your prayer, your prayer life is in disorder. 
James said, I, I've noticed that when you pray, it's all about you. God, I'm, I'm, give me this promotion. I need this promotion. God, I, I, I need a new car. God, God, I need a new house. And let me just say, there's nothing wrong with asking for a new house. God, uh, God is a loving father, and he wants to give us good gifts, and he wants us to ask him for anything. That's not the point here. The point that James was saying is, is that only all you ever pray about? Has a thought ever come to your mind, what if God doesn't want you to have that car? What if God doesn't want you to have the promotion? What if what you're asking for is nothing that God wants? See, prayer is about asking God what is your will. It's seeking God's direction. It's seeking God's power. Someone has said, when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. There's great truth in that. Trying to accomplish God's will for the kingdom of God is impossible without spending time in prayer, without saying, God, what is it that you want? I know what I want, and I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you what I want, and I'll share with you what I want, but God, what do you want? Are you okay with the answer no from God? Someone that's reaching in their prayer life and, and wanting a greater prayer life understands that God doesn't just always say yes. Asking isn't always about getting everything I want. Sometimes asking is just asking. Sometimes asking is, to, is used to discern. Kind of like as parents, we ask our children, what were you thinking? Right? Just trying to discern what's going on. In our prayer life, if we're going to have a greater prayer life, we need to understand that prayer is important. A true faith involves prayer because it unlocks God's power, but secondly, because prayer recognizes the source of our power. It is through prayer that we can recognize the source of our power. Jesus taught his disciples, without me, ye can do nothing. What prayer does for our faith is that it reminds us of who saved us and transformed us. It, it reminds us of what really matters and who really matters. Because life sometimes can get our minds distracted. We can put the Christian life back here by the stem of our brain in the habit or the memory habit forming part of our brain and forget what it's really all about. What the message of the gospel really is and who it's really for. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. The Apostle Paul would write to the Christians in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, saying, Pray without ceasing. It is the unceasing prayer in our lives that will build a strong and effective faith that impacts an unbelieving world. Faith, our, our prayer is so important to our faith. It unlocks, unlocks the power of God but it helps us recognize also the source of that power. 
know what was happening with the disciples by Mark chapter 9? They're getting into the routine of things. Notice, secondly, our lack of prayer can lead others to doubt. Our lack of prayer can lead, us, lead others to doubt. At the beginning of chapter 9 is the story where Jesus is transfigured. He takes Peter, James, and John with him to the top of the mountain and is transfigured before them. And, and that's why when they come down from the mountain, they go and they, they meet the other disciples. And this is a situation that is going on. This, this man is asking for help and these disciples, uh, the other disciples cannot help them. And, and notice what happens in that situation. And... Um, we just read it, look at it in verse number 20. I'm sorry. Um, in verse number 18, he says at the very end, And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So Jesus looks at his disciples, oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? I've, I've taught you. I've given you the authority. What? What? Why? Why is this happening? And so they brought him unto him, verse 20, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming, and he asked his father, how long ago did this came to him? And he said, of a child. And sometimes, verse 22, it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But notice, if thou canst do anything. So first the man brings them to the disciples, fully saying, hey, I need your help. I know you guys can heal. I know that you guys have cast out demons. I know that you can help my son. But they couldn't. And now, the man is saying, if, to Jesus, if. Their lack of prayer. Their lack of prayer in serving and doing ministry and in their Christian life led to these disciples to not be able to help this man. As a result of the lack of prayer in their life, this man is beginning to doubt. What is he doubting? He's doubting what God can do. If thou canst. If. God, I, I thought you could, but now they're doubting. Now he's wondering. Now he's thinking. I don't know. I'm not really sure God can do what he says he can do. You know, our lack of prayer can bring people to the point of doubting God's power. In fact, there's, they're not, I guess they are kind of cynical people that say, man, if the hope is in the church, man, then we're, then we're hopeless. We're without hope. But sometimes I wonder if that's true. Sometimes I wonder if us in the church are lacking so much the power of God because of a of a prayer life that's not reaching and it's not growing and it's not really spending time with God, it's not asking for what we should be asking for, that people begin to doubt our God. Begins to doubt what He can do. Begin to doubt His power. Instead of, instead of seeing and hearing and saying at the end, wow, nothing is impossible for God. Just the opposite is happening. They doubted God's power. They also doubt God's compassion for them. First, he says, if you can do 
anything, if you can do something, and then he says, and have compassion on us. As if there's a lack of love here. Jesus, I don't know if you can help me. I don't know if you have the power. And, and maybe you do, and maybe you just don't love me. Maybe there's just not that compassion. Our lack of prayer leads others to doubt. These disciples hadn't spent time praying. They hadn't spent time preparing themselves for what was to come. Oh, I believe that they did in Mark chapter 6. I believe when they first got that commission and they first got it, they thought, wow, what a privilege, what an honor to be able to serve God. But after a while, it just became routine. By the way, the same thing can happen to us. Sometimes we, we, we get that opportunity here at church and, and we finally uh, get a, a class that we can teach to little kids. And we're like, yes, we, we, we have this. And, and you know what? That first week and that first month, you're, you, you sit and you prepare and you think on Monday and Tuesday when you get back from work, oh, man, okay, how am I going to teach this? And, and, and what illustrations can I use? And, and what, what games can we play? And, and how can I make sure that these kids are learning? And, and, and you have all this passion for it. But after a while, after a few months, after a year, the preparation's not the same. And when you first got that class, you were praying for every student in your class. And when you first started serving as an usher, you would pray for every service. But after a while, it's just routine. I mean, do we really have to pray for Sunday morning? I'm sure Pastor Jeremy's praying anyway. That's fine. That'll cover it. And after a while, there's a lack of prayer in our life. People begin to doubt what God can do. People begin to doubt if we even care for them. One thing that we find about Jesus is this. He was a man of compassion. I, I put this there in, in your notes, Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes at Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them. Matthew 14, 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. This was in a different place and was moved with compassion. Luke chapter 7, verse 13, he's now meeting someone else just on the road on a funeral. And when he saw, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Jesus was full of compassion. What fueled that compassion? Mark 6, 46. When he took some time to pray. Listen, you're always going to have compassion for the people you pray for. That's why Jesus says, loving your enemies, pray for them. What happens if I don't pray, Pastor? It leads others to doubt. These disciples, hey, just a few weeks ago, casting out demons, healing people. Now they can't. What was the difference? Routine. Chapter 6, they're praying. Chapter 9, you don't see that. Chapter 9, their lack of prayer actually is causing those that they're trying to help and trying to reach to doubt what God can do. 
and to doubt God's compassion for them. Prayer is so important. That's why we ought to be reaching for a greater prayer life. Because true faith involves prayer. Let me give you a third one. Ministry without prayer is powerless. Ministry without prayer is powerless. That was a really difficult lesson for them to learn that day. By the way, Jesus was so patient. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to be with you guys is what he's saying. He's talking to the disciples when he says this. Oh, faithless generation. He's, he's talking to disciples. Where's that, where's that faith? Guys, I'm not going to be here always to get you out of it. I can't be the only one on a mountain praying. I've, I've given you a commission, and I've given you power and authority. But without prayer, it means nothing. Without prayer, you're going to do nothing. You'll be powerless. You see, when we don't pray, when we're powerless then our words become just words. I'm sure the disciples that day, I'm sure they were saying the same thing they always said when they were going to cast out a demon. I'm sure they said the the same thing they always said when they healed someone. I'm sure they had the prayer that they're going to, to pray to do it. I don't know what that prayer was. It doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm sure they, they did that. I'm sure they shared the words. Thank you so much for bringing your son. Listen, we, we love that you're here today. We're, we're, so, we're so thankful. No, and, and listen, uh, Jesus is, is amazing, and, and the gospel is the greatest message there is. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your son. But that's all it was, is words. I don't know what words they said, but at some point they had to say, demon, get out of him. And nothing happened. At some point, I'm sure they said, God, heal this boy. And nothing happened. Words just became words. You know what happens when we lack prayer in our life? Our words just become words. I'd imagine that these disciples didn't try to cast out that demon in the name of Baal or Zeus or Jupiter, the gods of their day. I'm sure they said Jehovah. I'm sure they said the Lord. They might have even said Jehovah Ramah, the God who heals. But nothing happened. Words just become words without prayer. And our actions lead to no results. Sure, the disciples prayed. I'm sure they placed their hands on the child. They may have even picked up the child. They may have even raised the child. Or the young man, we don't know his age. But nothing happened. Their words were just words and their actions gave no results. Because ministry without prayer is powerless. 
If I can say it like this, being an usher without prayer means nothing. Teaching kids in the back without prayer means nothing. Preaching a message from Mark chapter 9 without prayer means nothing. Telling people that you love them at work without prayer means nothing. Oh, but I, I, I put their prayer request in, in, in the church. Uh, there, there's that little uh, paper, and I, and I put it in there. Great. But if you're not prayer, me, praying, it means nothing. Ministry without prayer is powerless. So what does it take to continue in prayer? If we're going to reach, what does it take? Because Jesus told them in verse 29, you know why you couldn't? Because there's no prayer behind it. Because you probably got comfortable. Because you thought, Jesus will always be around. How do we continue then in prayer? Number one, with discipline. We cannot have an effective prayer life without discipline. That's why prayer has to be something important to me. Can't be something I do only when it's convenient. Can't be something that I do lightly or without purpose. Prayer has got to be more than, God, thank you for the food you provided. Bless it to my body. Amen. It's got to be more than that. Prayer has to be something that is a discipline in our life. An effective prayer life requires me to discipline myself and learn to pray wholeheartedly. Learn to ask what God says we should ask for. In Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, this is Jesus, and continued all night in prayer to God. I'd say he's pretty disciplined in that. I'd say he took it pretty serious. It wasn't something he did for five minutes or ten minutes. I'm not saying every time we pray, we're going to be praying all night. That's not what I'm saying. But I am asking, how serious is prayer to you? How much of a discipline do you have in your life for prayer? You want a greater prayer life? Discipline yourself to do it. Number two, it's going to require dedication. Dedication. Effective prayer, li- uh, effective prayer lives are those that stay persistent day after day, week after week, and year after year. You know, one thing this story teaches us is that it might be true that God used us to be a blessing and did some things in the past in 2022 that were pretty amazing. But that's not go. That's not a guarantee for 2023. Just because God did some pretty amazing things in this church and in the programs of the church and maybe in your personal life or at work doesn't guarantee that in 2023 it'll be the same. That's why we must be persistent, dedicated to prayer. So we don't run into what the disciples ran into in Mark chapter 9. You can live in Mark chapter 6. 
healing and seeing God's power flow in your life. If you don't let it just become something routine. If you understand that it has to be bathed in prayer. There's got to be a dedication to do it over and over and over again. We must make priority something that is, uh, prayer something that is a priority in our life. So this morning I remind you the Christian life can become routine, yes. And there's a lot of danger in it becoming routine. That's why the challenge this morning is not to allow prayerlessness to become part of that routine. Don't allow a lack of prayer in your life to take you to a point in 2023 where you no longer see God's power. Don't allow it to take you to a point where people begin to doubt the God that you serve and the God that you follow. In this year of 2023, we've got to reach for a greater prayer life. Pastor, how are we going to do that with discipline? And with dedication, make it a priority in your, in your life and be persistent with it. Day after day and week after week and year after year. And I do want to just challenge you in a very specific way for this year. I want to challenge us. I know we're the English congregation, but on Wednesdays we have a prayer service. And Wednesdays are really tough services to make. When, when, you, when, when you got work and when you've got school and when you've got everything that today has and schedules, it's really a hard service to make. But I wonder if you'd be willing to make it to at least one a month. I'll tell you what we do. All we do is pray. We get here, we sing one song, we have a time of prayer. We sing another song, we have a time of prayer. We sing another song, we have another time of prayer. By that time, an hour has gone by. We sing and we go home. That's all we do. Sometimes we divide in groups. Sometimes we have somebody pray from here from the platform. We have little binders that have all the prayer requests that people have submitted and we just pray by name for every need. That's all we do. We've done this a couple times where we, we get somebody and we spend about 30 minutes or so or maybe 20 minutes and we go bench by bench. And we pray, God, whoever comes and sits on this seat, help them on Sunday to hear the word of God. If they're not saved, help them to get saved. We pray back there and we say, God, I don't know where the usher is going to be standing, but would you give him wisdom to be friendly and to help people? Pray for the people in the coffee shop. Hey, as you're, as you're giving a, a cup of coffee to somebody, that you know that you're doing it for the Lord. The Lord said, if you give just a cup of water in my name, you did it to me. That's all we pray for. So I would challenge you, if you would, just once a month, just once a month, just come by and spend an hour in prayer. Make it a discipline in your life just to do it. I know you can't do it every week. I'm not asking you to do it for every week. There are some that can, and praise God for that. For you that can't, you say, listen, my schedule is just, it's really, really rough. I understand it. Just once a month. And see what God will do because prayer is the key to unlocking God's power. Let me tell you something. I want to see God's power this year in our, in our church. 
I want to see God's power in your family, at your work, in your life. That's what I want to see. But we won't see it without prayer. Early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in private devotions. and Each one reportedly had a separate spot there in the woods where they would go and pour their heart out to God. And they would go so often that there in the, the little wilderness where they were at, there in Africa, they would, they would step on, on that grass so much as they would go to their, their spot of prayer every day that the grass would start dying there and it would make a path. But after some time, they didn't go to that spot. And if they didn't take time to go and pray, the, the grass that was on that pathway would begin to grow again. And so a lot of these early Christians in Africa began to help one another when they would see that. They would know where the trails are for each person. And, and they would say, brother, there's some grass on your path. You haven't been in prayer. This morning, I want to I encourage you. I want to challenge you. Reach for a greater prayer life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Thank you for this wonderful reminder, Father, of what it is to, to live the Christian life in prayer. To be reaching in our walk with you for a greater life of prayer. Oh, Father, how we need, how we need you. How we need your power. Because without it, we're just wasting an hour on a Sunday morning. Father, your commission to us is too important to be wasted. And the need is too great to be ignored. So, Father, I pray. Would you help us as a church to reach? To reach in our walk with you. To a prayer life that honors you. To a prayer life that unlocks your power. To a prayer life that leads to to seeing only what you can do. As the piano plays, perhaps this morning you're saying, you know, Pastor, that's me. That's an area in my life where I, I want to reach. I want to do more. Pastor, would you just pray for me? That in this year of 2023, I can be disciplined and dedicated in this area of prayer. To see more of God's power in my life. Would you pray for me? If that's your decision, would you allow me just to see your hand so I can pray for you? God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. All around the auditorium. God bless you. Father, this morning, you've seen our hearts. We raise our hands as a testimony of the work of your spirit in our hearts. I pray that we would stay fervent in this area of our life. Help it to never become routine. Be with us throughout this week. 
go to our jobs, as we attend to our families, as we do. In Jesus' precious name.